0: Welcome to Brand Story, Inc. I'm your host, Jay Sharman. Every week, we sit down with smart folks to talk about innovative ways they are creating content to connect with their audiences. I'd like to say every company can be a media company, and this conversation hopefully helps you understand why. Today on Brand Story, Inc., we have Jabari Young. Jabari Young is CNBC.com sports business reporter covering news ranging from big TV network sports contracts to the influence of agents, to the growth of sports gambling. Prior to CNBC, Jabari reported on the NBA and San Antonio Spurs for The Athletic and the San Antonio Express News. He also spent time at NBC Sports Northwestern Portland covering covering the Trailblazers back in the 2014-2015 season. Jabari Young, welcome to the show.
1: Jay, thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Um, you know, when I saw your... Uh, LinkedIn requests uh and the messages, you know, for, 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 for the people who are listening, you know, you, you kinda made this request months and months ago, but I'm hardly on LinkedIn. Uh, like that. <laughs> but I said I was gonna make it do a better job at it. But I definitely want to reach out and uh more than happy to uh, to, to come on. So I'm I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's good. I mean, that's a good lesson. Number one for our listeners, right, is know your audience and know where they are. So, well, today Jabari, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna cover a number of uh, content related trends within the sports world, including the innovation curve kind of emerging within the pandemic, some investment news in the sports content and media space, as well as the increasing sports celebrity as a business brand. But I want to start with you, Jabari. We met in January 2020 at a sports OTT conference at Turner Sports down in Atlanta That it was the last conference I attended and at the time you were just you were fresh into your role at CNBC a few months in after a stint as we talked about uh, at The Athletic so tell us about your original vision for your role as CNBC's sports business reporter and how it's evolved now that you've been there for a year
1: oh man uh, that conference I mean you, when it, as soon as you said it um, you know it's raining here as we, as we taped this podcast and you know, I remember it was kind of dreary down there. Yeah.
2: yeah
1: uh, that time but uh, such, such a great event you know it really was and I, I enjoyed it a lot I think the last time I traveled was to the uh, what was that the combine you know in mm. February mm-hmm. so um, yeah so but uh, man it felt like five years ago doesn't it but uh, yeah I always use um you know, when I think about it myself, you know, when I, I transitioned from, you know, covering the Spurs to going to CNBC, I didn't know what, what it was I was getting into because I had really never uh, studied business like that before. You know, in mm-hmm. fact, I'm looking at CNBC like, what do y'all want from me? <laughs> um, you know, like I don't know what. And so it, it kind of it, it was a challenge for me, but it was one that as a journalist, you know, I, I feel like this is what we're in it for. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to get in and you want to. Challenge yourself, and you want to explore and teach and, and learn new things, and you know be able to teach people things and be able to inform them of things that they may want to know, uh, especially people on the business uh, space. Uh, and uh, that's what I try to do. But uh, I use the name Bojan Marianovich. Hmm. and uh, for those people who don't know what that who that is, that that's the uh, very talented center who uh, last played, I believe, on the Dallas Mavericks, and I don't know if he's a free agent, but great guy i met him in san antonio with the spurs but i remember one of the first emails i got um was from this company that you know was basically uh you know one of the ad advertising sponsorship type Mm -hmm. deals where it was this big giant uh blanket company that got a deal with bull by and. Here I am thinking like, oh man, you know, Bojan Marjanovic, and I'm I'm seeing how much love he gets in the NBA world from a social media perspective. Not understanding that people probably do not give a damn about Bojan Marjanovic <laughs> on the business. <laughs> so I'm thinking like, man, this is great. This is this is what, this is what this gig is all about. Taking these and um and and just exploring these types of deals. And you know, I pushed. I'm like, yo, we got to get this out. This is gonna be big. We're gonna get a lot of clicks. And man, that was a disaster, um, you know, because and it wasn't like the story wasn't good. It was just, you know, hey, I, I was glad I didn't know what it was. So um, I, I say that to come all the way full circle, you know, the pandemic has really taught me a lot. You know, I, I get up at three, four in the morning and just start reading the Financial Times and reading the Wall Street Journal and reading the New York Times and reading my mm-hmm. own site at CNBC.com, just learning, OK, what is this? You know, what am I into? And I find myself, you know, stopping, Googling terminology, and that takes me into a different story and a different story. I have like 50 million ads open as I try to just understand what, okay, what is a stock? What is this? What is that? And then people, you know, along the way who've helped me, uh, you know, that I've met at conference. so, you know, I've learned what it was about. And for me, it's just, you know, you're covering, uh, you know, sports on the business landscape and business has everything to do with everything. Uh, from on the court, which affects business, to off the court, which affects business, um, to behind the scenes, which affects business. So you try to bring a little bit of everything, right? You know, And so uh, I, that's one of the things I've kind of enjoyed about the role is that I get to dive into different leagues and, and learn. And that's another thing, you know, diving in and learning the collective bargaining agreements of each league mm-hmm. uh, it was, was its own challenge. But, you know, you get lawyers to help you, to ask you what things are, what they need. And that's a lot of work. Well,
0: you know, thank you for doing that, because that just sounds like, that sounds, I'd rather like pull my fingernails out than go into reading collective bargaining agreement language.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you, it's, you know what, but the language, Jay, you find, man, it's like, and that, that's one of the things, I guess, is, is about me. I, I enjoy it. Like, if I see a word, I don't know, I'm writing it down, and I'm going to research it, and I'm trying to use it into my sentences, you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, and, and, and I'm learning that Collective bargaining agreements is just a play on words, you know. What I mean, mm-hmm. like they, they, it's one word that means another thing, mm-hmm. and they can be the perspectives of each word can be challenged, and that's why you have these disputes that always need another third party sometimes involved because collective bargaining agreements is a whole bunch of verbiage that that means whatever the person wants it to mean at that time, <laughs> you know. What yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. So, well, I mean, you bring up that's the- what I meant for me.
0: You bring up an interesting point. So a year in you've evolved in the way you, you've just talked about, right. And finding maybe some rabbit holes in areas that you a year ago wouldn't have expected to be so interested in. What are the topics that, that right now, as we're in November, entering November of uh, 2020, what are the things that most interest you right now in the sports business landscape?
1: Um, You know, I, I had an exec that told me that he said, man, you're so lucky because you're you're entering now and you get a chance to see sports. Like, you know, basically the window got shattered. Everything is all over the place and they're trying to put everything back together again because of the pandemic. So the thing that you just asked, I'm learning as they're putting it back together. So I'm looking forward to seeing how they transition. It's one thing to pick up your league or start your league in the MLB's case.
2: Mm-hmm. In the
1: pandemic, you get certain protocols together. It's another thing to come back now to come back the way that you're accustomed to coming back the NBA, the NHL, they're going to have a lot of, you know, challenges that nothing that I don't expect them to to overcome, but it's going to be interesting to see how they get to that point of, okay, how many games you going to play? How are you going to be out before the Olympics and what happens this time? Because there is no bubble unless there is one as we take this. Um, and I don't know what players would agree to that. But if you don't have a bubble, that means that you're now susceptible to what? Mm-hmm. COVID cases. So the same way we sit back and criticize the MLB and the NFL when they were while they're in the middle of their seasons and is the same way now the NBA is entering that mix. So do they want to enter that mix? And if they are wanna have these regional bubbles of pods, whatever, similar to how MLB did it, which is some of the narratives that's being considered, uh, or that's out there, how does that work? How does players agree to that? Mm-hmm. You know, why are they Will they do that? Will they leave their homes at a at that certain time? I mean, listen, you already haven't pushed back on when they want to come back. Yeah. So I'm 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 gonna enjoy learning and seeing how they do this put this all together because I don't know if I'll ever or we'll ever see a time like this before where sports is so exposed at this level because we're all yep. gauge engaged to how they're doing it, how they're going about it, how they're putting it back together, when it falls off a cliff, you know, when the players protested that night and didn't play what that looks like mm-hmm. so i'm I'm enjoying this process you know this history and time uh, and I'm learning along the way
0: well it's 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 an interesting perspective and I mean I think the thesis of this entire podcast it's called brand storying for a reason right it's the it's the business of storytelling and 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 I like to segue here into kind of the follow the money portion of this right the driving force of the value of sports um, and and media networks live television right sports has been kind of the most DVR proof, right? It commands the highest value for a lot of for a lot of reasons. Um but ratings are down significantly. NBA, NHL, we just wrapped up the World Series, you name it. Revenues are down incredibly for obvious reasons, right? Uh no gate and a, and a whole host of other things. MLB just reported there are 7 billion dollars billion under forecast and have racked up 3 billion in debt, you know. Um Right holder, rights holders, the media companies, are paying enormous fees for these rights based on expected ratings. So I'm curious about your perspective on how things are going to change a result of 2020 for this, you know, knowing that the, the ratings are at the heart of kind of valuations for these companies. What does that look like looking forward?
1: Well, you know, first, let me just get this out of the way right now because people have, they'll listen to the podcast and they'll think that you know, uh, and, and and I don't like to acknowledge them, but at the same time they exist. You're going to have people out there who immediately point to the uh, social injustice causes as a reason why the ratings you know had dropped so significantly. And that may be a small piece of it. We don't know because I can't really mm-hmm. go into each household that watch mm-hmm. sports and ask them that question. So we will never know. I don't care what polls say, whatever poll because polls interview people like 700 people, they don't account for the other right. millions of people right. out there. Right. So we don't know, but I'm sure that it has a place, you know, that it it plays, whether you agree with it or not, some people use sports as an outlet and they don't want to deal with the politics of it all. I mean, I think that that has to be acknowledged. Now that we got that out of the way uh, there's a variety of factors that, you know, have contributed to this decline of that. One of which we just mentioned the consumption habits. I mean, listen, stop for a minute and put yourself in the place of a, a sports fan who happens to be a mother or a father. And uh, they wanted to watch the NBA finals and they went through their day. They may have had two or three cups of coffee just to get through it. Because remember mm-hmm. now there are some households that are still have kids in there and they got to deal with the virtual school and working their own jobs. And then after they get through all of that, get dinner prepared, the kids are tucked in eight 30 comes around. I got another half an hour before the finals comes on at 9 p.m. Do you think I have the energy right. to stay up to watch the finals?
0: <laughs> right. That's a good I don't. Point. Yeah.
1: I don't. I, and me as a sports reporter, I've had my days. I have a seven-year-old daughter where even I'm I'm paid to watch this. I, I fell asleep in maybe the second quarter. Mm-hmm. I fell asleep in maybe the first and then turn it on until the fourth, third or fourth quarter because I was that exhausted. I'm a human being. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not Superman. I can't stay up 24 hours a day. I still got to work the next day and also get my child prepared for her day. Um, so you have to account for those people who didn't watch too, and I think that's where the leagues are coming in and saying, hey, there are a whole bunch of people that didn't even have the TV on. Everybody has their points, and there's a whole bunch of reasons as to why. But if this year is truly a uh, an anomaly and leagues are expected to get back on their regular schedules, maybe not for the NBA, and NHL, but the right. year after that, the same way you decline, you have to then take that sharp increase back up. Yeah, it's otherwise, a,
0: it's interesting your product to worry, really
1: is devalued.
0: You just mentioned the scheduling. A couple of the network executives that I'm friends with, I've talked to. They they think that's that's a, a a key component of the whole thing, right? Like sports is is intentionally spaced out, right? Because the dollars, the seasonality of it, the dollars can be spread. You you look at the third and fourth quarter of 2020, and it's like, holy, like, you could ask the most diehard sports fan, like, wait, when's the Masters? And people, you just kind of have to pause and think, and, you know, it's like, wait a minute, I find myself forgetting, wait, wait, hockey's on right now, whatever it may be, right? And so there's that element of just, you know. Um, so many overlapping sports at the same time and, and a lot of this it's 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 interesting to see how this will all kind of sort itself out right in, the, in that regard but I think maybe flipping to the positive what are some of the innovations or exciting things that you might see that are emerging for the fan experience as a result of you know things like digital consumption and lack of ability to attend in person from a sporting event perspective
1: you know so funny I'm actually crafting a story now about what that entails you know and you kind of hit it, and so you know to, to give you a sneak preview of that is that you know I think we we we're all optimistic, and I think we are all optimistic. We hear what the NBA wants to do and what Facebook wants but How far off are we from really exploring those experiences? And I think we're still years off. You know, I mean, I think the virtual reality experiences and you know the augmented reality experiences are only going to get better. Mm-hmm. But this time with this pandemic here, it's given uh, companies you know that that are in that those fields opportunities to study human behavior when it comes to that, because the only thing now that, that humans, as that, that we have, are these experiences, especially if some of the leagues, you know, have to remain closed because, you know, indoor indoor leagues may be treated differently than outdoor um, when it comes to, you know, COVID cases uh, and as it relates to sports. So, you know, whether, whether the NBA and the NHL will have an opportunity to host fans is going to be an entirely different question but you hope that, you know, maybe some type of medical advances would have happened rather rapid testing or mm-hmm. what have you, but you still expect for it to be some type of restriction on capacity, especially mm-hmm. in indoor arenas. Right. So they would have to then buy you, whether it's even worth it to operate that building at that time, or if they're going to take those type of losses, uh, because then you have to staff the building and pay hourly and pay pay employees. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's the whole business of it, but, you know, not to digress too much. Um, what have you, you're going to lose people come into the buildings and then they may not feel safe. So you, more people are maybe going to start to adapt to those experiences. And as the devices get better and as 5G continues to expand, I expect for the experiences to get richer. And as they get richer, you'll have more people wanting to consume it because they know they're getting something for their money. So I think sports leagues are banking on that, but still years away from actually that coming to fruition. So for right now, the same way you just said, MLB reported 7 billion. I'm expecting that to be the headline this time next year, you know what I mean? Well, because it doesn't look like nothing is going to be back to normal yeah. until, you know, prior to, I mean, and before, after 2021, at least, yeah. um, because I'm, we're still ways away from this.
0: Yeah. I think it's the most disheartening. I'm a, I grew up in Rhode Island. And so the, uh, the Boston marathon is, is kind of on my sports calendar. And I just saw that they postponed the Boston marathon from, April of 2021, which like just psychologically, it's like, Oh, you know, you hear those things. So, but to that end, you kind of went there. What are the 21, 21 business effects of the pandemic from your mind, who loses and are there any winners? And if so, who are they?
1: For 2021? Yeah. Wow. Um, you know, I can't say who loses because you know, so, so much things that occurred for me to say anybody lost, you know, mm-hmm. you, you could win. Um, you know, even though you lose, you know, and I make that argument because the NBA, though we say that the ratings are down this saying well, our digital numbers are way up. And right. They may have a play for that in the future. So a loss may be a win, you know, in disguise. Um, but, you know, I, I think the fans lose because, you know, sports experiences mm-hmm. and we still want them and we still crave them. And I mean, a live experience and, and our inability to go and feel safe is only going to impact, continually impact revenues of leagues, continue to impact you know people who are even employed by these organizations because of whether they'd be able to foot it. So it all gets back to the fans being in those buildings at full capacity, and I think as long as that's off, the fans lose, because it's one thing to watch a game, and I know that as a journalist, Jay, and I'm sure you've been there too, on TV, but... It's another to be at a World Series when it's at its full capacity. It's another mm-hmm. to be at a Game 7 of an NBA game at full capacity.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: From a viewer standpoint, too, because, you know, there are yeah. times, you know, you ever see a game-winning touchdown? Yeah. You know, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman, who I consider the best right now doing it, no, no disrespect to Tony Romo, I, mean, I love him too, but you'll notice that after that touchdown, they pause. Yep. And what do you hear? Crowd. The reaction of the crowd. Because even from a T and what do I do? I'm hyped. I'm turning up the TV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know? mm-hmm. you you miss that. And I think without that, tr- sports is just boring. It's just guys whooping in the gym at that point. You know, mm-hmm. no disrespect to the NBA guys. But that's what it looks like. You know, it looks like just a, a high school football game at that point. And that's mm-hmm. only – people only regionally care about high school football, not nationally. Right. You know what I mean? You lose that element of when you're flipping through the channel and you don't see the fans there, it's like, oh, damn, nobody cares. That, that's still a, an illusion that I think TV networks miss. So as long as we don't have that, we're going to miss out because we're going to miss out on that adrenaline. And that's, you know, credit to the players who are still able to gather their energy to do these things without fans there because that takes a bit of doing too. Um, but as long as we don't have those experiences, we all lose because the business isn't where it needs to be. Uh, the, the, the presentations, you know, though they've been, you know, cool, they, they mm-hmm. aren't not what they right. need to be. Uh, and we as humans, we're not where we want to be, and that's at those games.
0: Well, well said. I mean, I think uh, perfect transition into what I would argue is one of the top three sports business stories of the year. Um, I would say gambling is probably number one, but that's an an entirely different podcast, and one of the ones I want to talk about was SPACs, um, right? Despite the economic headwinds caused by the pandemic, sports media content and technology world has just seen the slew of new investment and acquisition money enter the marketplace. And it feels like it's kind of come out of nowhere. And these SPACs or special purpose acquisition companies are now dominating the the sports business headlines. I'm curious about your take as to what's going on here. Why is this happening now? And how do you see it impacting the sports marketplace? Well,
1: you know, listen, first of all, I mean, I, I think, you know, you look, when I first started to see these, you know, Bird Capital, uh, you know, they started when they did one. I think everybody, you know, their eyebrows got raised. At least that's that's when my eyebrows got raised. And, you know, I started to explore them and write on it. And, you know, you hear the, the people that are involved with that company, you know, are very good, you know, at raising and getting people to, you know, get money on investments that they want to make. So. When you have those type of people, it becomes easier. But I mean, listen, SPACs are very hard to pull off. They're not. It's not like it's the first time that it, they've been, you know, attempted to do it. There's been a lot of people who tried to do them before. Um, you know, uh, years ago, you know, a guy tried to do it. I forget his name, and you know, I was even researching him. But mm-hmm. there's been a whole bunch of people to do it. The, the thing about them is, is that right now, where people are trying to look for places to keep their money, it almost is like they're safe bets, right? Because first, there are specs that are set up for to get into sports and sports technology and data companies are only going to get more viable because of sports betting you know Mm -hmm. and and we but that data is going to be premium data for that for those bets that that's what they're anticipating on you know so all it all trickles down so right now with the pandemic and covid and there's a lot of companies out there that are just hurting and they're not going to be able to make it which is where these SPACs can come in acquire them and either offload them later on when they're at its you know when they're more valuable and and save it or you know find out we've got to do with it now the process of doing it obviously we know is a challenge because you've got to convince a whole bunch of investors to agree with that mm-hmm. um for that purpose you know they're very difficult to pull off but there's nothing you know i think the very the fact that they're popping up right now is the fact that people just see opportunity out there they see some companies that are into the digital space virtual reality augmented Would have you data, you know, science, data technology, data research, um, all that, and 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 if you have sports on it, sports is the only thing that's to some keeping up cable models. Mm -hmm. So live sports is still, though the ratings are down, live sports is still something that we in the U.S. we require in our lives. We've made it a part of our lives, and so when you have those opportunities to study this and continue to have it via these data companies, I think. Um, they're going to be more viable. and so uh, I'm not surprised that a lot of spikes have popped up and I don't even when I start to see that they popped up now, I just say, oh just so here's another one, here's another one. whether they make it or not is gonna be the question because yep. a lot of them can form as you know, but very few in a few years are you know have made it when you go to check because so I think they get what two years or something like that to mm-hmm. you know pull whatever they need to pull and convince otherwise everybody gets their money back. So it's like a no risk savings account, I guess.
0: Yeah. So you kind of went there on my next question, which is going to be which markets that you see within this, right? Because to your point it's opportunity. You've got a pandemic going on. So you've got cash strapped, smaller entities. You've got people coming in with bucks to kind of buy stuff on the cheap, right? Like it's just basic economics. We can, we can get into the ethics of that at a different time, but it's like, that's, that's reality. But I, I think what I see, I'd love for you to react to this. What I've seen is kind of media, any model that's that's predicated heavily on kind of sponsorship is struggling, right? Media publishing comes to mind, right? Like the whole model of, I mean, a lot of people love The Athletic because it has a sub- subscription base to it, right? Which is, in its, its in, to, to date, it's not um, sponsor-driven. But I think uh, there's a lot of consolidation going on in the media publishing world, sports media publishing world in general, um, because it's ad-supported. Whereas to your point, I think, um, sports technology and gambling, like just in the past week, you just the gambling companies are becoming media companies, and they're going out and getting the best and brightest talent, right? Like, company X just hires away the the top guy at ESPN Digital. Another guy, you know, um, here in Chicago, legendary sports writer Teddy Greenstein gets hired away by PointsBet, right? So I'm, I'm curious. One of the things I'm seeing meld is kind of this media com- casino, uh, gambling companies, sports data. And storytelling, kind of all converging, seems to be the hot space right now. Um, is that a fair assessment? Is are there other areas that you see uh, that are rising up, or is is that kind of towards the top of the trend right now? What I just described.
1: Yeah, I think it, you you touched on it, you know, in a lot of different ways. And you know, as you were talking, I was thinking of you know two movies. You know, one I don't know if you ever seen the movie *Idiocracy*, *Home*, uh, and. Uh, there's another one, Back to the Future, you know, Part Two, I believe.
0: Yes, when, uh, yes, I use yeah, it all the time. When, Love Back to the Future, right? Yeah, <laughs> Biff's Biff's luxury <laughs> palace, right?
1: <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, who was the
0: character? Uh, Buzz or whatever. Biff. Or, uh, Biff.
1: Biff. Yeah, Biff. Biff. Biff's world. And yeah, yeah, Biff's, Biff's world. Biff's, you know, Biff. Everything. He owned the cops. Dude, it's so um, funny,
0: man. Jabari, I, I swear to God, like the amount of times you. I swear we are in back to the future too. this apocalyptic world, right? It's like no one's out. It's it's the casinos are running the world, like a character assassination of the world going on. It's so funny. You mentioned that.
1: Yeah. I think it's one big bet, man. You know, not (laughs) the sports is one big bet. You know, I think that right now, uh, companies, Fantasy, dra- dra- fantasy companies are having to do exactly what, they're, what they've done when they introduce fantasy sports, right? Mm-hmm. they got to train consumers all over again mm-hmm. to make sports wagers, mm-hmm. and this time on your mobile phone. That can take a few years, uh, but right now with COVID being where it is and with people not wanting to go out into spaces like that, that's what you are banking on. And in order to, to better facilitate that message and build your brand awareness – you associate it with media platforms because that's what people watch when they watch sports, you know, they watch the yeah. TNT, they watch, you know, the ESPNs. And so you facilitate that on a different channel for that particular individual coming up. I mean, it's a big play. Um, one that a lot of people are behind, you know, DraftKings being one of them and mm-hmm. Michael Jordan sees it, you know, which is why he, you know, put his name, image, and likeness on, on their brand and you can see what that play is. And so, Right now, this is about a race for market share for a lot of these sports gambling companies, and that's why you see a, big, a lot of these deals, and you'll continue to see them as more companies uh, yeah. continue to grow. The, 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 the opportunity, though, is going to be when those companies have gained enough market share, and I don't know if there will ever be a true like market share as we see in the tech world mm-hmm. because you know if i'm a gambler if i'm losing on one platform well then guess what i'm getting the hell out of here and i'm doing what going to another yep um so there'll be a variety of them left but there is going to be some opportunities and maybe where these spots come in at for the small guys yep. you know the small people who you know come in and and they want to you know sell their companies to the the bigger draft kings or the fan dudes of the world because. They can't survive because those two companies, they're, they're still building their brand awareness out as, you know, sports betting companies and not fantasy sports um, like they used to. So be, they're they almost starting all over again to build their brand awareness out. And so once they get enough of the market share, I would anticipate that a lot of the smaller, you know, firms may get bought out. You know, and I don't want to give yep. any of those firms the name right now, right, but I got right. a couple in mind, right. you right. know, that I right. know. They're eyeing to be bought out. Like they yes. want publicity so they can get them themselves yep. on the radar to be purchased. Yep. You know what I mean? And uh, and, and so that that's that's the play too. So it's this one big bet, Jay. Yeah, I, it's I think, it's I'm an know, old school guy. Time.
0: That was the number one theme that that OTT conference you and I were at Turner Sports, and I remember Lenny Daniel, Lanny Daniels, getting up there, the president of Turner Sports, and saying. Like, I'm not necessarily gung-ho about gambling, but it's getting legalized. It's coming. It's going to be legal, and we have a responsibility to kind of – and I was just like, oh, this is going to get – I'm old school. This is going to get scary quickly. When I see the University of Colorado yeah. doing partnerships with gambling companies, I'm like – it just thinks me makes me think of Casablanca, right, when they're like, there's gambling going on? I'm shocked, right? Like, it's what could yeah. go wrong? What California – so, I
1: mean, and I'm keeping my eye on Texas right now yeah. – Texas is one of those states where I just don't know if, you know, I know they want to keep gambling out and I've lived in Texas and I know how serious that is down there, but I just don't know if you'll be able to avoid it with pandemic having crushed a lot of the state budgets and city budgets. They're going to need that extra revenue and what better way to do it than to get some gambling wagers. Now, you know, all of the states are doing it and once California does it and New York is another one, you know, that, that, that's, you keep an eye out on New York, California, Texas. Once they, you know, once they introduce that and it's here, it's going to be like the Wild Wild West. Yep. And then you'll see the name, image, and likeness thing play in because it's going to be like you see what people see. Name, image, and likeness is going to happen. Sports yep. gambling. Yep. I mean, name, image, and likeness. Remember, yep. imagine if you're a name, image, and likeness and you're an a, a, a NCAA star. Now, draft teams can utilize you because they they yep. can use you and they can use in the end of the live streaming, the live shopping. That that that, oh. that already built the market in china i mean that platform is 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 going to be expected to work to be over here that's a 60 billion uh, dollar uh industry you know i saw on bloomberg and i just wrote on something like that so you see the play you know and it, it reminds me again of that movie idiocracy and then to your you know point back to the future part two where it's just one interactive world where you have the universe at the palm of your hands which is weird
0: yeah, on I'm, your phone. I'm fine as long as you give me that sports almanac of the future. I'll be all over it, just like, <laughs> it's like All right, so uh, home stretch here. I want to be respectful of time. So uh, going to change topics, take a hard turn here. Sports stars becoming uh, getting marketing and even equity deals in exchange for their endorsement and name and like this is not a new trend, right? But a fairly recent trend is the sports celebrity not only as brand, but as its own media company. LeBron being a headliner with with Spring Hill, what he's done there, um, and Space Jam, and all the content that they're creating, uh, but nearly every major sports star seems to be an executive producer for a sports film or a media company right now. You know, Kevin Durant, and I mean, just it, it, uh, Chris Paul just came out right with a documentary film. What's driving this trend from your perspective?
1: Oh, man. Um...
0: Is it just something as simple as it's cool and sports stars being tied into Hollywood? It sounds great. You know
1: what's driving this trend? Junior Bridgman. (laughs) You know, the old, the the businessman, the former NBA player. He is such a smart Uh, man. You know, the the entrepreneur, you know, I, I still hear his name from time to time. When I talk to the athletes about these type of deals and, with name, image, and likeness continuing to be as valuable as it is, you see more equity deals. You see more media deals. Like mm-hmm. you know, like players want to pull off. You know, I guess they're looking at it as just like this. You know, why should we give all of our name, image, and likeness to platforms like Instagram and Twitter? We can just create our own and hope that they follow us. Um, and that's another big bet. You know, there's a reason why these social media platforms exist because everybody's there. You know, these social media platforms know how to put everybody together. Uh, but you're also trying to create yourself an e-commerce market, you know, and we just said the home shopping network, having a home shopping network on your Mm -hmm. phone, any given moment that you want. Right. That's what made the home shopping. Research has shown that if you engage with people more, that they're tend to buy your product. Mm -hmm. And so by building these media companies, you know, this is also an advertising play because if you could build it, you no longer need, other companies to do what you can now do. You could do, you just have your own exposure. You could do your own thing. You're just basically taking your brand in the palm of your hand and associating everything with it um, through these companies, these media companies. You know, Kevin Durant, you know, 35 or you know, 35 Ventures and you know, mm-hmm. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: what everybody else is doing, you know, and and, and with their uh, media companies. And I, I just think it's that type of play. You know, Players TV, which is also starting a bunch of NBA guys think Ken Griffey now has his own show on there. You see what they're trying to do. They have their own distribution now, you know what I mean, as far as having their own shows. And so that's another thing that they're hoping that people will want to pay for. Would you pay to see Ken Griffey channel 24 hours a day, see Ken Griffey barbecue in his backyard or live his life? Yeah. You know what I mean? Virtual reality, like uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Not virtual reality, Uh, reality shows. Mm-hmm. You know, would you, are you there? Is there a market out there that you want to see your sports Athlete, twenty four hours a day, if you choose to.
0: Correct. Well, you know
1: I mean, what I'm saying, hey, I've got this Draymond Green's channel. Would yep. you want to see that?
0: Well, I mean, I think this is this is your this is the final thought piece here, or a couple of questions around this idea. And I, I've uh, through clients that we have at Teamworks Media and speaking engagements I've done. I mean, uh, I've had these conversations with Sports Hall of Fames and other entities about sports stars as media companies. And I'll, I'll you know, just think of something. like Roger Federer. Okay. He's a media company just based on his social media following, his influence, right? I mean, he's got yeah. something like 25 million plus social media followers. He's got an incredibly engaged audience, right? It's like there's that element if you're a Halls of Fame out there. It's like these guys are going to be like, why do I need you, right? Like you're going to get more value out of this than me. <laughs> and like that that entity, it's like the old Entourage episode. It's like you're a brand. It's like these guys are legit media companies and in some cases have further reach – digital footprints and engagement than actual media companies. And so I'm curious how you see this. You've mentioned collective bargaining agreements and stuff. How far are we away from like an NBA star or NFL or MLB player just not doing the press conference for the league and seeing like, you know what, I'll see you over here on my Instagram?
1: Uh, we're, we're, I don't think we're at that point because, um, you know, listen, leagues still need their brand exposed as well. You know one of the reasons you see the NBA trying to get back on their schedule and maybe even try to start before Christmas is because their brand is built around that Christmas Day game mm-hmm. and the NFL' is now in that slot. so you don't want to ruin your brand. and so um, those stars still need to talk to upload and to up- to continue to upgrade and uplift and also continue to hold uh, where those brands are. so you you don't have the NBA without, you know, stars talking because that's a star-driven league. If, if your star doesn't talk on the NBA brand to the masses of media like that, then mm-hmm. your product gets ruined. So that's not going to happen. And if it does, then you know players will get fined. And after you get fined enough money, um, fifty thousand dollars is a lot of money to us. But to NBA stars, you think it's not a lot of money, but it's still fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so and, and and so I that that's I don't think you'll ever see that. However. Um, I just think you'll see more players take the brand, take their decision-making when they want to talk into their own hands. You know, if you're in the off-season now, you can hold your own Q&A. If you, you know, decide that you want to sign to a team now, you don't have to wait for it to be leaked out. You can, Kevin Durant did this with, uh, you know, now it still happens. You know, I don't know how you can avoid it, but I think those are the type of platforms, and then those become branding opportunities. You know, listen, LeBron did that with when he left for, you know, to go to Miami Heat. Uh, he still raised money for, I believe, the YMCA at that point. Yep. Um, you know, don't, don't quote me. I believe it was. I don't remember that that night. Yeah, you know, it was like either that, or that or Maybe, maybe it was Boys these, and
0: Girls Club. That was uh, one of the more yeah, infamous interviews. Club,
1: you know, So, yeah, right. So, possibly I mean, that, the only marketing mistake LeBron
0: has made, right? It was that? <laughs> night.
1: It was, but it was also a beneficial one. You know, yeah, it, I mean, was. it was a bad
0: branding thing. Yeah, but
1: for uh, you know, and and LeBron has always, to his credit, is always been uh, built on giving back to that community. And yep. You know, that's where he's from. That's where he yep. reps. So more power to him. I mm-hmm. always love to see brothers doing that. And he helped that community that night. Like now that, that yeah. goes unnoticed because what he did, what he did, which, mm-hmm. you know, that's all people going to remember. So, you know, it, it is what it is at that point. But I think, like I said, this these are just branding opportunities that with the name image and likeness discussion continuing to evolve on the college level, even the pros are starting to do that. And remember the NFL, yeah when they got their name, image and likeness back, you know, remember because a long time, they couldn't even do that. Um, You know, when they got their and NBA is another one, they got their marketing rights back too. from, you know, uh, and and, and NBPA got their marketing rights back, you know, years ago. Um, They just turned into more branding opportunities And the NFL. You know, players association are continuing to do that now with their relationship with one team partners. You see where that's going. Branding. Uh, The NBA is doing branding. So it's all branding opportunities because with, these products out there with these products here, and you're trying to gain your more following and, and these products want to expand, they'll leverage, you know, your name, image and likeness to these brands so that, you know, you can help. Yes, uh, right. and I think it's all just one big play and media companies, you know, as you just kind of alluded to are helping drive that and, and just build a better business. So it's like you're eliminating the middleman and you're going consumer business to consumer, consumer to consumer, business to business. There's no need to have agencies. In the middle anymore. Sorry, Jay. Um, you know, for for you know that, and I think that's what a lot of athletes see uh, that they can be themselves, be the middleman, and don't have to pay a middleman, and they can just get that revenue themselves.
0: Yep. Yeah. No. I mean, I think that's that's our thesis is that individuals are going to become media companies and organizations that aren't media companies that become media companies are going to win, right? Like whether you're a brand. And I think that's, you know, the, the fact that all state, uh, which is so heavily invested in college football may not need, you know to spend all of their money with media networks they can get it directly to the college football fan right so there's all kinds of neat things but listen you've been so generous with your time uh talking with jabari young cnbc sports business reporter you can follow him on twitter well
1: one thing i want to add jay too is before you and one thing to keep in mind and i think we kind of talked about it even before we started the podcast is that you know a lot of people kind of wonder why ratings still matter and i think what you you just said about they don't the branding don't need the I t- I don't think that's true all the way because TV still provides that in your face value that we know is never going away, especially with streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, it's never going- you may be able to access it on your phone, but listen, last time I checked, they still making an 80 inch and bigger TVs. You know why? Because yep. people still drive to TVs. And as long as you still got TV seven like this, as long as you still got TV- every time I go to my boy's house, he ain't say, Yo, come over and watch the game yeah. on, my, on my iPad. Nah, <laughs> you come over and watch on my new TV. Yeah. So as long as that in-your-face value still matters, as long as we tune on to see those, they will always have that impact. Hence, ratings have to matter because that's how you judge your business. That's how they you know, justify prices. So though these brands and, and though people will have more access to the consumer, I still think the media network's. Uh, will have their own play. Oh, I, I totally
0: agree. Them. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm with you, right? It's going to take a different shape, whether it comes through a cable, Absolutely. how it gets to the back of your TV, whether it's through OTT or traditional cable, that's going to change. But the, you know, to your point, you look at the top 100 rated television shows on TV right now, three quarters sports. plus are sports, live sports. Yeah. Of the top 100, yeah. it's like, I, I, I don't want to quote it, but it's, the majority of them are live sports, right? Especially if you and quit. I don't
1: think that'll ever go away. I, I agree. I think that people. That's a miss bet. If you're hoping that streaming will replace that, I think it's a yeah. miss bet. I still think that people won't. They don't. They're not trustworthy of the lag time. The last thing you want mm-hmm. is to see a live game, game one yep. shot, and all of a sudden, I'm my streaming froze. Yeah. There's still <laughs> that, that's not going to be it. You know, I, I think that there's still going to be people that want to be of yep. that TV to watch the games. And as long as that's Agreed. the play, which I expected to be for decades, uh, you're not getting out of that. You know, you're just not
0: awesome. Well, Jabari, uh, my only, my last question is personally, you said you get up at three to four in the morning and start going through wall street journal, New York times, everything, uh, CNBC. What do you do for fun? Do you get to read? Is there, have you been able to read a book or watch a sure. movie of fun? What's the last good book you read for fun?
1: Oh, what it's fun these days, man. I have no idea. Um, you know, I'm I'm still in the middle of reading. Uh, I stopped reading. There's uh, this uh, book that I put down, and <laughs> it, it's like the uh, subtle, subtle, subtle art of not giving a F you. I'm sure you know the rest. And
2: you know, It's with wanna, the letter you know, K. The word, but,
1: yes. Yeah. Uh, Rhymes with truck. Great book. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's a great book. Uh, it kind of puts you in and allows you to uh you know just kind of look at yourself in the mirror a little bit and the uh Mark Mason who wrote that book I mean I, I haven't even read the last chapter because the last chapter starts off and, and then you die and I'm like all right I'm gonna wait until like years of <laughs> my life before you know what I mean like I'll <laughs> start reading that like, but it, it, it taught me a lot over the last year it did it mm-hmm. taught me a lot and so I'm back on reading now The 48 Laws of Power and at the same time reading another one of, uh, you know, his books, um, uh, which is the, it's a one with fifty cent on there, uh, The 50th Law, I believe, but The 48 mm-hmm. Laws of Power, Robert Greene. I had put that book down years ago, and I was only on like the law 48, or I'm sorry, like 34, so mm-hmm. now I'm back on it. <laughs> and I think that book takes time to kind of digest, yeah. and you, you pick it up from time to time and go it. But I, I do recommend, if you are looking for that, you know, the subtitle art of not giving an F is, yep. is great. But also The Alchemist. You know, The Alchemist is great. It's so funny you uh, mentioned
0: book. that. My kids are reading that right now and I'm I'm just about to pick yeah. it up because they're reading it and I like barely remember reading it. Great book, school. man, yeah. great
1: book. I mean, the ending is, it just brings it full circle. And I think, you know, these are books that I like to reminisce about. Uh, you know, and put into perspective of life, you know, and so, uh, awesome. you know, I got a, a, my next one is good to great. I'm looking forward to reading that after uh, 40 of all the
0: Well, you made me the perfect segue. Thank you for making me who's good and you being great go from good to great here. <laughs> Jabari Young from CNBC, uh, the sports business reporter for CNBC. You can follow him on Twitter at Jabari, J-A-B-A-R-I, capital J Young. Jabari, thanks so much for your time.
1: Thanks for having me, Joe.
0: Thanks for listening to Brand Story, Inc. We'll be back next week with another conversation digging into the ways companies are becoming like media companies. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give me a follow on Twitter at underscore J and on LinkedIn.